Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano, and this is Bubble and Squeak, a podcast with uncanny sounds, funny interludes and stories, most weird, many true. Okay, here's season two, episode three. Our show today comes in three parts. Part one, Peggy Campolo is a straight ally standing in solidarity with LGBTQ plus people since the 1980s. She shares some of her origin story. Part two, UK-based artist Rick Stott recites an excerpt from his erotic spiritual poem, Invocations. And part three, a sound slice. Peggy Campolo is married to the famous evangelical writer and speaker, Reverend Tony Campolo. Peggy was content to be the quiet minister's wife in the background. Then, in the early 1980s, she experienced a transformation. She felt a burning need to speak out at churches on behalf of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. For most of his career, her husband did not support gay marriage. But he supported Peggy speaking out. A couple had picked us up and we were in the back seat of their car. And I'm sure they would have described themselves as evangelical Christians. But they started telling Tony everything that was wrong with the church. First on their list was those people. They were sure that gay people were ruining the country and most especially ruining the church. And I remember being horrified thinking they were so wrong, but I had trained myself over many years to not make any waves, especially when I was on a speaking engagement with Tony. And Tony said some pretty good things to them, but I honestly can't remember what he said because I could hear my silence so loudly. That night I cried myself to sleep and I told God, If I ever had another chance, I wouldn't be quiet. Nobody was going to say something that wasn't true about people I loved without knowing that I didn't think that. I decided that I better really learn more about the Bible than I had ever cared about learning before because the Bible was the weapon that they used and the church people used against gay people. Somebody suggested a man named Dr. Ralph Blair in New York because he was very evangelical, kind of fundamental where the Bible was concerned, but he himself was an out gay man. He had been out in the Christian world where it really wasn't safe to be, so he would understand where I was coming from. I took the train up to New York City, and it was many, many blocks to his office. I was petrified, wondering what I would say. I didn't have to say much. He said it all, and he said just what I needed to hear. I was so grateful. I said, if I can ever do anything for you or your group, Evangelicals Concerned, let me know. Now, this was a long time ago, back before computers and email, and thought he might want me to stuff envelopes for him or maybe give money to his group. Several months later, I got a letter from him inviting me to be a keynote speaker at his Eastern Conference. He liked to get straight people that really knew how it was to come and speak. I was just flipped that I had gotten a speaking request because Tony was getting eight or 10 a day 
So I took it into his office and said, I've got to write and tell him I don't speak. I just wanted you to see I got one. And he looked at it and pushed his chair back from the desk and said, Peggy, sometimes you speak when there's something you think should be said and nobody else is saying it. I knew I had to do it. And then it morphed into being invited here, there, places. I mostly always did the same talk because what I had was my story. I spoke at gay churches. I spoke at welcoming and affirming straight churches. Then somebody asked me at church if Tony and I would come over and speak to some of the executives at the American Baptist denominational headquarters at lunchtime. And I said, why? They said, our denomination's about to get a divorce over this, and you and Tony don't agree on this. We didn't at the time. Tony was for all kinds of justice, but not gay marriage. I asked Tony, and he said, sure, and we went. And we must have done a dialogue on that a couple of hundred times over the years. Going with Tony was my ticket into places that wouldn't have had me by myself. Well, I'm sort of like a carrier pigeon with a message from the misunderstood to the misinformed. Tell me what you know of the God of destruction and creation. They ask this with their chin resting on my sternum, looking up at me as our bodies lounge together, flow of sweat, oil and cum dripping from my belly onto damp sheets. Their cock softening against mine as we speak and move from frantic intense to a gentler flow of intertwining. They have a black circle tattooed in the centre of their chest and a black circle on their spine as if a void runs through their heart space from front to back. When they had first undressed, I touched it. And although we hadn't spoken of sex, we both felt that inexorable drawing from our abdomens, the bright orange orb of desire pulled towards infinite connection. And so our cups of peppermint tea had cooled on the windowsill untouched. When they turned, I kissed between their shoulder blades and touched the void with my tongue. When I lay on top of them, I held their clavicle between my teeth, skin moving tight over bone. We had consumed each other's bodies without speaking. The intuitive wisdom of muscle, hormone and parasympathetic nervous system opening wide the flow of energy between us, and all the while the void space of their heart pressed against mine, void of continual creation, void that holds the potential for all things to burst into being, music from silence, dance from stillness. Their fingers had dragged from the nape of my neck to my perineum, softly at first, then harder, nails scourged flesh over and over in the swell of ecstatic. Red lines seared from my crown to my asshole, blotting blood on sheets, whilst our mouths wide and pressed together, breathed in and out of each other, their exhalation inflating my lungs, expanding me beyond myself, their void opening to envelop me. 
negative and positive space, creation, destruction, all false binaries dissolving. Pulsing in and out of each other, the intuitive flow of bodies in the realm beyond words, beyond knowledge, beyond reason, beyond any attempt to elicit meaning. Far beyond the shores of that petty and banal thing called falling in love. This angel trickster visitation whose breath still settled in my own lungs asked again in the postcoital cocoon tell me what you know of the god of destruction and creation I look into the void of their eyes I speak into the void of their mouth that god was present at my birth but it has taken me four decades to know him. It is a fearful thing to look at the one who dwells in shadows. And now I learn three invocations to bring forth shamanic selves that revere and reveal plutonic secrets. Will you teach me of them as I have taught you the flow of the body? They, their teeth bite onto my bottom lip as a call to prayer chimes down the arch of my spine. I say, I can tell you what I know. If what I know is very little, then what I know is still enough. The first shaman I knew when I pulled a lycra fetish mask over my face. I looked at the mirror and screamed with lust. His totems are butt plug and swollen phallus. He dwells in primal places of darker instinct. The second shaman I knew when I smeared clay on my face, from soft cold damp to dry cracked flaking. They know male and female in exquisite balance. Their totems are fallen branch and turning tide. They dwell in expansive heart. The third shaman I knew when I entered the tunnel of peacock feathers in visions that don't need eyes to be seen. In higher places where all the labels we cling to have had their meanings wrung out, where there is only union, and should it have a totem, I could not grasp it in my hands or speak it from my mouth. It dwells neither here nor there. They hold my balls in their palm, which tighten my scrotum with ache and longing of beginnings. The shamans possess you, they asked. No, they are me. They are dormant seeds from lifetime upon lifetime that awaken in the rainfall. Trickster eases back my foreskin and touches their finger to the bead of jism at the opening of my urethra. Teach me their invocations. Teach me with gentle kisses. Teach me with your hand against my throat. Teach me with fire we share. I reply, I can only teach you as I teach myself. As fire kindles from the palm of your hand to blaze through my body, as our mouths open to devour each other, as our semen flows together, I will speak of servants of Pluto, the invocations of destruction creation, one that tears fiercely. One that tears gently. 
and one that tears only in unknowing. One that builds with rapacious abandon. One that builds with fruitful unfurling. And one that builds with all mystery. And so, from my bed with a trickster lover, from void that contains all things, I invoke three shamans. La cámara. No, es uh, un grabador de audio para grabar el sonido del coche y el calle porque yo hago programas de uh, emisores de radio. Entonces siempre viviendo por los Let me set the scene for you. I'm in Havana, Cuba. Now I love audio and whenever I can I take out my little audio recorder and when I did it sparked a conversation. I was in an old car, a car from the 50s, which sounded old, also smelt old inside, and spewed a lot of pollution outside. Bubble and Squeak is written and produced by me, Peter Santoscano. I mostly make the show for me and for my friend Edward, who is finding his place in the world. The soundtrack for Rick Stott's poem, Invocation, is Puzzle of Complexity by Joe Wandrini. To learn more about Rick Stott, visit his website. There you can view artworks for sale. He also offers art commissions, one-to-one spiritual accompaniment sessions, and retreat facilitation. Visit rickstott.com. Rick is spelled R-I-C without a K. Stott ends in two T's. rickstott.com. And feel free to say hi to me on Twitter, at P2Son, the letter P, the number two, S-O-N. And thanks for listening. <laughs>